listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. I'm Farnas Raleigh, and I'm here with Eliza Mada Dalen, affectionately known as Mada, a self-realized spiritual teacher, mystic, and internationally acclaimed master healer and the best-selling author of a book, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. Using her extraordinary ability to see the root causes of people's fear, pain, and ailments, and to read thought forms repressed in the body and energy with 100% accuracy, she devised this evolutionary Dalian method for health and consciousness. She is a deeply compassionate being who has remarkable wisdom and insight into understanding the human condition. As the creator and guardian of this advanced self-healing system, she brings radical change to the field of healing and personal transformation. And we are so thrilled to have her here on Drishti Point today. Welcome, Mada. Thank you, and I'm thrilled to have your presence. Thank you. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey into wholeness and healing and uh, what, how, you, um, how this method came, came into being. Well, my journey is, is all of our journey starts long way back, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't even know when. Mm-hmm. But in li- this lifetime, uh, started when I was five years old, mm-hmm. and it started with witnessing my grandfather's death. Mm-hmm. And obviously, death is the greatest awakener. Um, it, it is said that uh, Buddha used to send all his disciples for three months to watch people in at the burning gas yes and this is the this is why because once you witness death you cannot help but ask the question or realize get that awareness that my turn is going to come too Mm -hmm. so in my case when I watched my grandfather the initial reaction is of fear of course suddenly this body is not moving and the the next was contemplating and and I realized that I'm going to die as well and the world will continue just as it's continuing after he's gone and obviously then who am I what am I doing here where do I come from what is my purpose and I felt those were the most important questions for me to know and at five years old you asked those questions yeah. that's remarkable yeah and what what had what um, obviously, in search of those questions, you can help us understand the answers to those questions. Who are we and why are we here? So that's basically the journey, isn't it? That's yes. the work. That's the spiritual work. And obviously, um, as I grew older, as we all do, we have to go to school. We have to, you know, university. We have to adjust to being in this world. Mm-hmm. And we start forgetting certain things that we come with, certain awarenesses. And every child brings that very acute awareness. They're present. Children are present. Mm-hmm. And then we forget because we go more into the head. Mm-hmm. So I went through education system, mm-hmm. as, as all, all of us do. And I was fortunate enough to still feel this. Once you stumble upon the truth, and, and you start asking those questions, it does not disappear even though it goes to sleep for a while. Mm-hmm. 
And at 24, I was very unhappy. And I didn't feel fulfillment from what was happening in my life. And I was fortunate enough to meet a friend. And this is when I actually moved from Armenia to Canada. So you are originally from Armenia? Armenia. I was born there. I raised to 24. My education was there. I studied architecture and education. Mm -hmm. So when I came here, actually, this is the time of transition where I felt the the culture shock, first of all. Mm -hmm. Very different lifestyles. Yes. And, And that was the time where you're thrown back to yourself. Right. And... And obviously, you start coming back, and when you come back to yourself, you have to ask those questions again. And I was fortunate enough to meet a a woman. Uh, I moved to this apartment in Montreal, and she was from Russia originally. And she was um, she was brought by Germans through the uh, through the Second World War. They captured many Russians, and she was a nurse. So, So then they brought her along to Germany they needed professionals and after the war she ended up staying in France and then came to Canada so she gave me a book to read by uh, George Piri Uspensky called In Search of the Miraculous right no wonder the name of the book sounded so familiar Mm -hmm. so and it was based on the teachings of Gurdjieff and I resonated very much and I felt like oh great finally I have something that can that can help me pursue this quest. And um, in the younger years, when I was in, still in Armenia, I, I loved the writings of Dostoevsky because I felt he was the greatest psychologist on the planet and yes. the way he understood the human condition. And described human suffering. Absolutely. And yes. when I read him in school, I couldn't read any, anything else because nothing really matched that profound um, vision and, and wisdom he had and of course now this was the second one and it's like oh okay this is wonderful <laughs> so I asked her to give me some more um, of what she was doing and she gave me a book by Osho called Beware of Socialism and of course I just came out from that country mm-hmm. and I was curious and when I read it I just couldn't believe how this man knew so much and he's in India. He's an Indian mystic. Yes. And he so accurately described the difference, the, the, the system, what is socialism, what is communism, and how, you know, all these things are all mixed up, and what the lacks here, and the, the, the one thing he said, the true communism will arise out of the capitalist country, uh, the, the richest country in the world, which was America. Really? Yeah, that was his thing. And he said the, the, the way the socialism was brought in Russia, it was through violence, through revolution. It was through those who didn't have fighting against those who had. So there's that, that always that hum, still human condition. It's, it's forever the same. Yes, right. And they still do that. People who fight, the wars that are happening, it's always the people who don't have against people who have. And here in North America, people have seen the have and they know that it's, there's emptiness there. 
I'm still not fulfilled. Right. And uh, interesting that he would make that prediction because it does seem that there is the arising of uh, communities of people who are coming together with intention um, and with the purpose of sharing. Exactly, exactly. And as, as you can see, there's communities actually, even in British Columbia, we have so many people coming together, self-sustainable, trying to, and, and this is the future. That was the next thing that he also predicted, that there'll be communities of people from 500 to 5,000 people living in those communities, and the money will basically disappear. That's the only communism, right? Right. And there's no money. Yes. Then it's a community, and basically we're coming back to Native American way of living in a way. To live in harmony with each other and with the environment. And in that, in that tribal sort of sense of... Um, understanding that we're all here to learn to wake up, to become conscious. Once that is a primary focus, you cannot go wrong. And is that the main theme of the book, is how to become awake, how to become conscious? That's basically the whole book is all about. It's it's a map, step-by-step map of how we go through the development of the ego, and how it's very necessary to develop the ego. Mm-hmm. Because if we deny the ego, which is a tool, existence gave us that tool. It's not accidental. So, And the book describes those steps of development of the ego. And as the ego develops, simultaneously consciousness develops. And how the most of the work that people are doing now, it's basically trying to heal the wounded ego. This is what I call it the wounded ego, which is the part that needs to be healed before it can become healthy and before it can be let go of. I see. So we're healing parts of ourself that have been hurt in order to eventually let go of that and and merge into a, a, a higher state of consciousness. Exactly, exactly. Because if there's a, a belief, if there's an identification with... Um, um, I, I, I'm wounded or uh, I don't have what somebody else has or having those desires that are unfulfilled or blaming my parents did this and therefore I'm feeling this way, therefore my life is like this and somebody did this to me. So all that is based on the wounded ego. All our judgments, all our emotions are based on, on the wounded ego because the healthy ego says I'm enough unto myself. I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody to take care of me. And I recognize it's my responsibility because it's my life and nobody can live it for me. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So what are some of the um, techniques that you use in the... Tell us a little bit about the Dalian method. Yes, yes, I'd love to. Uh, So this method, when I was a child, again, I used to hear people's thought forms. In other words, obviously we're an energy phenomena. And whatever we think, whatever we feel, it's in, it's in our energy, it's in our body. Yes. And what I, I used to pick up people's thoughts, what, what, what they were thinking and mm-hmm. what they were feeling, and then watch to what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I could see there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what they're saying is one thing, what they're really thinking is another thing. 
Right. And that was very confusing for obviously a child. And it felt, it felt very unauthentic. And it felt there's something wrong here. But then mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't tell anybody. And if I had told, people would say would have said you're crazy because they're not aware enough to guide a child themselves. Right. So I kept that quiet. And and in a way, I also realized when I was um, older that if I tell people what I'm sensing, they they suddenly get scared because mm-hmm. somebody's oh somebody's seeing what what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. So I just completely forgot about that and and didn't even want to use that ability until after I had my awakening experiences in 1985 at the Osho's, the ranch uh, called Muddy Ranch in in Oregon. It it felt, well, the journey itself, obviously I did a lot of meditation and introspection. That was my only focus. I was not interested in the world. I was not interested in who is doing what. Mm-hmm. I was just interested. I have to wake up. I have to find my answers. And once I got to experience that the whole universe is actually just an energy of joy. Because it's based on creation. The creation that we, we say it's God. So we personalize it as God. So... Existence itself is in the in in the process of creation endlessly. So, like a field of pure potentiality. It's a field of potentiality, absolutely. The whole existence is a field of potentiality, and from within that potentiality, there comes this big bang. Mm-hmm. And there's so many big bangs. There's not only one. It's a constantly happening phenomena, and constantly expanding phenomena. So, but you realize that I there's no more separation. That that what is in the universe is also in me. There's no separation. So, in other words, I am God. I am it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. All those statements that people have used. That's that. That suddenly you realize the search was actually coming from the ego. And once. You realize that the journey is the goal, then there is no there's absolute relaxation. Right, because there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go and the only the only place I can be always is here and now. And in this here and now is how something comes and creativity arises and then you work on that or, or you continue expanding. You expand your consciousness, you contribute, you you just live in joy, basically, because there is no goal to achieve. And if you make a mistake, you say, okay, well, I needed to do this in order to see that. Right. So there is no mistakes. That's, that's a, um, I, I think a lot of, I definitely resonate with that. Though sometimes I would say I myself struggle with that idea. There's, or I should say there's still some struggle inside um, that there aren't any mistakes, even though on one level that reality resonates is true. That's right. That's right. But then that struggle comes from the mind, of course. Mm -hmm. And now coming back to my method, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what it helps to do. So so, um, if I come back to the story, 
after this experience of finding my 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 basically existence in the in the present mm -hmm. <laughs> and not having anything else to follow to go through and that that tension and that um, because it's when you're really focused it feels like you're going to go mad because you can't find the answer mm -hmm. you're just striving for this answer you're striving to know yourself and you and you feel you're so close and you can almost touch it there's a veil and you start feeling that veil mm -hmm. that's another thing i described in the book with the three steps of we have to go through transforming our personal unconscious then the the collective unconscious and then the cosmic unconscious that's when you start coming closer to seeing the veil mm -hmm. and to cross the veil you need to come to recognize the fear of death and step through it mm -hmm. that's the only way because the body is inbuilt with that instinct to preserve itself right and many times we're not even aware that it's the body's instinct to preserve itself and people tell me, oh, I'm not afraid of death. And I say, if you were in Africa and suddenly the lion jumps on you, would you be afraid? Yeah, I'll run. <laughs> well, how can you say you're not afraid of death? You, we need to recognize that there is fear inbuilt in the body to survive. So that's the final frontier. That's the final frontier, and that's how it happened for me. Mm -hmm. When I finally said, I recognize that I'm coming close and the fear of death is right there. And when I recognized this is a fear of the ego to die, mm -hmm. and I said, I'm going to, and this is the moment where you have to say this, you have to say, today's a good day to die, and I'm going to take this step. And if I die, I die. And you have to feel the fear and go through it. And that's what I did. And in that moment, and my body was tired, I was t mentally tired, emotionally tired, the, the search and the work at, in, uh, in the commune in um, Oregon, we used to work quite hard as well, building that whole place. So I was tired in all, all <laughs> ways. And this is good because then the mind does not have the grip on you when the body gets tired too. Yes. So then I said, okay, I'm ready. I can just, so many times I felt this, I came to this and, um, I stopped because I could feel this, like suddenly the breath stops. And at that moment, I said, I'm going to. Basically, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And what, what will be, will be. And that's the moment of transformation where, where and it happened during the Osho dynamic meditation, where I felt my whole body turn into light. And it was like an internal explosion of body disappearing, everything that it was like having 1,000 suns suddenly arise from within your body. Every single cell turning into light and body disappearing. And this is the moment of awareness that, that, that this, the, the universe is not separate. I am not separate. Joy is what is in the base of everything. And this transcends even love you see because love is a is a is a fourth chakra this is another thing i describe in the book how these things how our consciousness develops in its chakra and what is why it has to happen and what it represents in the heart is how we step into the higher realm mm -hmm. so 
So it's but just a gateway. But you're still human, you see. You're still human. We're still saying love because as humans, we want that. We need that. This is our nourishment. This is our spiritual nourishment. But from, from that place of moving higher, there's obviously the heart chakra where the love is, but there's other chakras above it. Yes. Yes. And India knows this very well, the mystics in India. So they, they talk more about soul than about heart. Yes. And then you have to find your individuality in your fifth chakra to be able to, to express freely what your being, what your soul needs to say, wants to say, um, needs to manifest. And then you move higher to recognize this is where you transcend, you understand. You transcend the mind in a sense of all the judgments. You understand this is where true compassion comes, not here. The love starts the process, but compassion comes from the third eye. Because mm -hmm. if you don't know yourself, how can you feel compassion to so, towards someone who also is struggling? Right. You know you've struggled. You know you've done all these mistakes. You've done unconscious uh, actions. You know that they haven't been very good. And you come to forgive yourself in the heart because that's the transformative chamber that transforms those negative emotions, lower vibrational survival emotions, mm -hmm. competitive emotions, jealousies, etc. And then you come, once you come to realize and understand and accept that within yourself and move higher into your individuality, this is where the ego becomes healthier. Mm -hmm. then, then you get to the compassion in the sixth chakra. And with that compassion, then you understand that there's one more step to be taken, and that's surrendering of the ego altogether. And that's where you merge with the existence. And this is why, for me in my work, um, I diverted from the healing method, but I could come back to it in a, in a different way. I don't, I feel we're at a place now where everything that we've done in the past with religions and gurus and teachings it's all served its purpose and it's come to its fruition at the end there's always an answer and we're coming to that completion of this um will again mm -hmm. and this the new to step into the new we have to forget all about the old because we can't bring the old into the new mm -hmm. the only thing we can bring from the old is the flowering the essence of it Mm -hmm. In other words, all the gurus, the essence of what has been taught to us, the essence of the truth. And we have to, this is the time where the, the age of the gurus ends also. And I always say, I'm, I'm teaching people, but I'm not a guru. My ultimate, if I would look to see what is the next step of the ultimate sort of step that we need to, to enter into is, is I would call it Zen, which has absolutely no, there's no gurus that you follow. It, Zen is the religion of mm -hmm. spirituality. So my work is very much Zen. What I do is Zen. And how do I say the, uh, the, the age of gurus is over? Because gurus impart the knowledge, in part that what they've experienced, in part their being and their presence, that many people feel 
nourished by. But then what happens with, with the human stupidity is that we don't like to do the work. And we say, okay, the guru can do it for me and I can relax because this feels so nice. And I've seen this happen over and over and over again with many seekers. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Buddha said, when you see me on your, on your path, cut off my head, head immediately. And Osho said, when you see me on your path, I'm going to say, don't cut off my head, but just say hello and move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is it. You ha- we have to understand. Because what happens mm-hmm. when there's a guru and we put the guru in, in at certain, you know, limelight we undermine our own ability to become that mm-hmm. and we're all fellow travelers on the path right i i see what you're saying and i, I know i heard that osha once said that the next evolution of the relationship of awaken to to not yet awaken would be one of friend to friend exactly. or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Because when you look at it truly, Farah, if you look at any kind of a guru, it's easier in India to put a guru than in the West, by the way, because the in India understands that, that that's a land, ancient land that understands enlightenment, understands the effort that it takes. Mm-hmm. In the West, we don't have that understanding. So, therefore, it's a great land, a very good land in a way that, okay, we're not going to follow the guru, but we are going to do it to find it ourselves. Right. It's not accidental where many Indian mystics are seem to be drawn to come to the West. Yes, it's true. A lot of the work that many... A lot of the work is done in Western countries. That's right. Yes. So because there's that, there's something here that that is more. Uh, there is an opening in a sense, even though the other side of the coin is true too. There's the criticism and there's the you know putting it down. But thanks to a lot of work that's been happening, Deepak Chopra with his you know Indian background and. Um, a lot of Western teachers that have been talking the Eastern language. Yes. There is, and, and the mantras and, you know, they were Pramal singing her mantras or other beautiful singers that sing the mantras. And so they're bringing a little bit of that Eastern culture to the West so that the West becomes familiar with it a little bit. And the yoga, that's the big, another big thing, the yoga, right? So, so now we need to take the next step. Okay, that's great. We're coming, we're becoming aware of that language and that culture. But now we need to take another step because we need to understand that what's happening is things that are coming from the East are getting a little bit diluted. If you look at yoga, for example, the true teachings of yoga of unity, you do yoga in order to find the unity within. But that part seems to be not very much part of the teaching of yoga in the West, it becomes more like a physical activity. Right. Yeah. So all these things need to be brought to light so that we can sort out the good, sort out the the true potent seeds from those who 
are just weeds, so we need to weed the weeds a little bit so we can allow those true seeds to flower. And the way they're going to flower is by each person taking responsibility for themselves. So my, my teaching is self-responsibility. That's why I love Zen, because Zen teaches self-responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And there is no guru to follow. You have to find your own truth. And my method basically helps you do that. Aha, so it's becoming clear on how to uh, find within ourselves the wisdom to guide the light, the, the light within to guide our lives and to find the answers that we're searching for. Yes, because you know why? People, people look for enlightenment. But here's my perspective on it. Why do we need to come to enlightenment so we can find our true potential, our gifts, so we can actually enrich this world with those gifts? Because till we find the inner strength and our own clarity and our own understanding, we cannot live those gifts. When right. there's fears in the body, how can we even come close to living those gifts? If we're afraid of people, other people's opinions, how can we even come close to showing what we have? Mm -hmm. So what this method does is actually goes into the body. It goes into the unconscious. It goes into all those beliefs that are in the body repressed all the emotions helps them to be released and those beliefs and emotions are like clouds that cover the inner consciousness because consciousness is already within each person you don't have to create it mm -hmm. so the method just helps to peel away those beliefs give them voice let them be lived and expressed and released like clouds get released and consciousness awareness automatically comes to the forefront and start seeing that this belief is an illusion. This is not true that I'm helpless. I have all the power I need. It's my life. I can live it the way I want. So basically, the method heals the wounded ego very quickly. Mm -hmm. Because all these repressed beliefs and emotions are the wounded ego. Why do we keep them hidden? Because we're afraid to show them. So the fear is related to the ego. And once they're released out of the body, the whole chakra system gets cleared from those thought forms. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we forget oftentimes, we start with the first chakra, go up, but then we forget we also have legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Almost nobody looks at the legs. So this system works with the entire body, including the feet, because the consciousness that gets transformed, the awareness needs to be grounded in the feet. This is how we interact. This is how we walk on the earth. Mm -hmm. And I know Osho was also, that was one of the things that he used to mention in his teachings is the importance of having your feet on the ground. Absolutely. And his dynamic meditation, it specifically helps that. Because with the dynamic meditation, you do, you do a lot of jumping and there's a phase where you do jumping. And uh, in that so the process, I don't know if you're aware, if you want me to describe it, the process sure. is you use chaotic breathing. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, um, I think yoga uses some part of that chaotic breathing as well. So chaotic breathing without a rhythm. But it's not a yogic breathing. So there is no rhythm. Right. Although it's fast and fast and chaotic. So that opens up a lot of areas in the body that the breath hits those areas that are repressed. Second phase is catharsis, allowing what's repressed to be expressed out. 
And then the third phase is jumping with the sound who up and down. The who is, is that, uh, well, you could call it the mantra, you know, who am I or who, Allah who, mm-hmm. starts from the Sufi, Allah who. And that helps to really feel the feet of the growing. You have to jump with arms up for 10 minutes like this. It's tough. Oh, yes. It would be very vigorous, <laughs> I yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's tough. But if you can end, but in that process, you see the mind so quickly, so so profoundly. You see the mind chattering and I can't do this. So you watch that. This is what I use in my intensives, the dynamic meditation. And of course, people go through that difficult phase first, but then there's so much that happens. And then after that, you sit, you stop for 15 minutes silently, just watching. This is a time where you can experience your inner center because you've gone through this vigorous process in a very short time instead of trying to still the mind and fight with the mind and, and, you know, it's a long process. It's 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 a wonderful process, and that's the essence of meditation, to watch the breath. But we're so full of attention. Mm-hmm. Our lifestyle is so fast, so we need fast methods. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the fast method that um, Osho contributed to humanity. And after the 15 minutes of silence, you dance. Mm-hmm. And, and celebrate, and you feel that lightness and opening. Mm-hmm. And now my method takes the, 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 the speed of transformation even further. And I like to combine both to, to have like a, a really dynamic duo, mm-hmm. jet speed transformation. And so with my method, it helps you to go into the body, identify those repressed thought forms. They spontaneously start coming. And because there's breath involved, there's out loud expression involved. And it's a system that works with the whole body. And it took me a while to figure out how is this working. And the, the, the way it got developed is based on my childhood ability that I had to be able to read thought forms. Right. People's energies. So I started looking at, as I started working with people, and I wasn't interested to work with people and be a healer or anything like that. And I don't look at myself as a healer. I just see myself as the founder of this I've done a lot of healing work since 1997 when I devised it, and I still do, but this is beyond just doing healing work. It's not just to make you feel good and uh, to fix a symptom. It's about transforming you. Right. It sounds it sounds like an incredible method. It is. It is. Yeah. So this is this method you describe in your book, and then you offer intensives and workshops to help people experience the method and, and get more guidance and in incorporating it into their lives. The intensives does the, uses the Osho Dynamic Meditation. The method, I'm finishing the second book, mm-hmm. which is not out yet, but it's very close, which will have actually the self-healing version of this method. Uh-huh. So the first book was is it's about a map. it's a spiritual map that takes you you understand the journey. You understand right. what are the steps. When I was searching, actually I felt very lost. Even though you hear this is the outcome, this is the end result, you're already what you're seeking for. Yeah, right. Okay, good. But how do I find that? Right. Yeah? What is preventing me from seeing that? Cuz my my way of working and maybe it's because I was born 
in Armenia and had that different kind of a training, I always questioned everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, well, what is preventing me from finding? I, I, what are these stumbling blocks? And, and when I was working with people, I said, why, why are they stuck? Yeah, I'm doing all this intellectual work, and I was in that same boat, did, doing this. But then meditation, and because of Osho's meditations, it helped me to really have practical experiences of, of no mind. Kundalini meditation, very powerful. Experiencing suddenly that I'm uh, just an emness. There's no body, no thoughts, no, I'm not, I'm not the thoughts, I'm not the emotions, experiencing that through those active meditations that Osho created. Mm-hmm. But then, how can we get there? What is blocking? What, what, what was blocking me? I didn't know that. Uh, by accident, because I had such a long journey of seeking and seeking and seeking, and suddenly looking back at all the past lives, seeing the patterns is how I've been missing and missing and missing also. Right. <laughs> seeking and missing, seeking and missing. And I've been with so many masters, including the Buddha, and missed every time. And I write that all in my book. So there's the last chapter is my, my journey from past lives. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. So that's what the method now, it's like, okay, all these questions, why am I not, what is preventing, what is preventing a person from seeing that they are already the home that they're seeking? This is the home within you. What is preventing it? And, and with that ability to see the thought forms, I realized, ah, all the beliefs that are in the body, the body is like the bottom of the iceberg. And we don't see what's going on. We don't know what's there. The top of the iceberg, the head says, oh, okay, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that, I need to do this, I'm trying, I try this, I try that, but something still feels stuck and I can't I feel it. It's not quite happening. Why is that? Because those beliefs are in the body, in the unconscious. So the method helps you go there and start releasing those things. Right. That sounds like a, I mean, the world needs that. Absolutely. I think we all We're ready. That. We're yes, ready for we that. Ready. Because all the work that's been done up to now, it's been a wonderful preparation. Mm-hmm. Every teacher that's been up to now coming and bringing that knowledge and, and understanding, people have prepared the foundation, the ground. Now it's time for those who have done enough of that work to take the responsibility into their own hands. And this is this is the method that can help you do that. Wonderful. So you, this book is being released when? In a few months. In a few months. And yeah. are you planning to do a book launch or book tour? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll be doing uh, seminars, teaching people basically how to use it on their own. Because people need that first initial, you know, um, showing how to do it. And then they could do it on their own. Although it comes with two CDs, mm-hmm. short version and long version. And furthermore, I'm going to be training other people how to become coaches of this method. Wonderful. And that's the Dayline Method. Did Dalian I say method. Dalian Method? Yeah. Uh-huh. And the book is called Healing into Consciousness. Uh, the, the new book 
is called, so the first book is called In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. The second book is called Healing the Body and Awakening Consciousness with the Dalian Method. And the subtitle is um, An Advanced Healing System for, for a New Man, for a New Humanity. Yeah, Beautiful. And people can find out more information on your website, which is madadalian.com. That's right. And there's also an, another meditation technique that um, that uh, I created based on Osha's guidance. It's called No Yes Active Meditation. No Yes? No Yes. Active yeah. Meditation. Yeah. Okay. And that's very profound as well. So what basically it helps to release all those repressed no's from the body. Because many times we want to say no, we say yes because we have to be nice, we have to you know, so for that social conduct and be kind, but inside we feel, no, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And every child, starting from being a child, right, we feel, no, I don't want to do this. doesn't feel right for me, but we do it. So this helps to release all that repressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so many layers of the repressed, no? Sometimes you even, you even have memories of past life experiences through this meditation. And then once it's released, you have time where you can sit silently and really feel that inner stillness. And the second phase is saying yes and just feeling that authentic yes Mm -hmm. that comes in. You're feeling the yes for life and existence and, and, and basically yes to yourself. And that's part of the CDs that are that's coming out? That's a CD. Out? No, that's already out. It's called mm-hmm. No Yes Active Meditation. It's a CD. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. As our interview draws to a close, we have maybe a, a minute or so left. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners or share with our listeners? Well, first of all, I, uh, I'd like to say I'm totally enjoying your lovely presence. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're very open and very sweet. Thank you very much. Mm. It's been so great to have you on here. Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. So what I'd like to say to your listeners, I think I said so much, basically. The bottom bottom line is, if you feel ready that you want to to step into your power, step into your strength and and sing your own song, this is the work, basically. This is the method that can help you. Mm -hmm. And um, these are the kind of people I I love working with. So, and again, my work is, in my work with people, is throwing back, throwing them back to themselves. I'm just like, I'm just like pointing out, this is what you need to look at, this is what you have to work with. And I don't like doing any lectures in terms of concepts, but I like working with what's in the present. So that's Mm -hmm. the way I work. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being with us on Drishti Point. I hope we'll have the opportunity to continue this dialogue. Yes, absolutely. And for our listeners who didn't catch the website, I'll spell it for you now. M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com. Madadalian.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.